0: It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's Rock and Mike And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on The Rock Show Ooh, yeah, on The Rock Show
1: Welcome to another tribute show. And this one is for Ronnie Spector. What a week we had. We had um Bob um, Saget from uh, yeah. Full House Pass Away Sydney Pontier. We had yep. um Betty White, man.
2: Yeah, the last <laughs> the last ten days, right? I mean
1: twenty <laughs> twenty two, man. It started,
2: it's starting starting off right away. It's reminding me started. of uh it's reminding me of like January of uh fifteen into sixteen. You know, like with Lemmy and fucking Bowie and like you know all these like great people, man. oh
1: yeah, that was crazy, man yeah and, um and then we have another one, another great one, God, and when I looked at it, I didn't realize she was so young at seventy eight also I thought she was a little older than that
2: yeah she well she started playing music when she was like fourteen years old, so yeah. that was that was her entire life. This one hit me a little hard. Uh, I always admired her. Um, like, She's the music. like
1: one of those weird person that started as a black girl and died an old wrinkled white woman,
2: <laughs> you know. If you look, <laughs> at <laughs> she got a little light skinned as she got older. Um, uh, really uh, if you but you know, if if you look at her throughout the years, her, her appearance did change a lot at times. There was times she was almost you know, in the 70s, she was very thin, kind of, probably a little too thin. Um, the, the, she was one of these people that was almost, uh, I never really thought about it, but she really did look different throughout her career. I mean, the 60s with the Ronettes and the makeup and the beehive haircut and everything, that was, you know, what she was probably known for the most. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, multi-talented uh beautiful singing voice just a beautiful person friendly with her fans uh you know she had a a, a very uh a, a, you know as much as she had a great life she had a tough life okay uh especially the Phil Spector years okay she there was a lot of abuse there and she had a lot of problems with that her career uh but she always managed to get back on her feet and the great thing is that she always had people willing to work with her because she was just such a great person. Uh, I met her a couple of times, uh, you know, briefly had small conversations with her, seen her perform. Uh, definitely, you know, stuff that I I look back in my life as as uh, important moments. Um, just to, uh, it's just her voice, you know, is that kind of like baby voice that she had, uh, always like I liked. Just uh, something I was attracted to, but you know, you know
1: what was crazy about uh, her, that? Um, she had like her webpage that you could book her for shows still and stuff. It was pretty still active.
2: Yeah, no, she so, she always had every year was the, the the Christmas shows that she would do. She'd do at least one or two, okay, Christmas time. Uh, for many years, it was at BB King's. Okay, that was a tradition, um, but. Yeah, I mean, uh I, I know COVID slowed everything down for people the last two years, but there was all intents and purposes. She was gonna go out again. Okay, but there's they said that she had a, a short stint of cancer and it sadly took her life. I don't I don't know any more details than that. They haven't released wow. anything. But uh
1: Do you know she was in uh Take Me Home Tonight with yeah, Money? I of never course. realized that. You
2: didn't know that was her?
1: I didn't even realize that was ah. until somebody pointed it out to me. I was like, whoa,
2: <laughs> that was a big comeback for her. She, that was, yeah, she made an album right after that, based on that comeback. And, uh, that was around 1986, 87. That was a, that was a, yeah. big, you know, but just getting into it to give a little background on her. Uh, we had done a whole show on the Ronettes about two years ago, this, this year, this time of year. Uh Ironically, and, and we just talked about this before the show, uh, she died almost a year to the day of Phil. Okay, just four, four days apart in the same month. Very very ironic, um, you know. But she was born Veronica Yvette Bennett in Harlem in August 10th, 1943, uh, raised in that neighborhood. And she was from a very mixed background. Her mother was was black and Cherokee Indian. And her father was an Irish American guy. Okay. Uh, and she had other family members that were, uh, everything from Puerto Rican to Chinese. I believe she, she talked about that, how she grew up in a multiracial environment. Wow. Okay. Uh, in 1957, when she was 14, she formed, uh, what would be eventually the Ronettes with her sister, her older sister, Estelle Bennett and their cousin Nedra Talley. Now also the original lineup included a male cousin named Ira and two other cousins named Diane and Elaine. What would happen is they would be playing gigs like, uh, uh, sock hops and teenage dances there was also some stuff at the apollo they did early on but this original lineup with the with the male singer he was ira was going to be the lead singer uh they were the first gig they ever did he they were going to do a frankie lyman song which was something that they always would do frankie lyman in the teenager songs and uh he went to sing and nothing came out of his mouth He couldn't couldn't do it. So Ronnie stepped up and just started singing and belted it out. And and she, you know, everything after that kind of changed. Ira and the other two cousins dropped out, and it just became Ronnie, Estelle, and Nedra, and Ronnie being the lead. And originally they were called Ronnie and the Relatives, okay? But they would shorten that to the Ronettes, and yeah, that
1: sounds much better. Sounds though. a
2: lot better. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> again, you know, they were playing a lot of, you know, teenage dances. They did some stuff at the Apollo uh, talent show kind of stuff that used to happen back then. Yeah. Um, but at one point they decided that, you know, they were tired of this teenage boppy kind of stuff. They wanted to be big time. And their mothers had taught them how to put on their makeup. Now, as, interestingly with the Ronettes, as they started to get more popular, their, their beehives got bigger, their makeup got crazier. And, you know, that's what they were known for. And the, their parents, their mothers taught them how to do their makeup to make them look older.
1: Mike, you want to hear something very funny? This is yeah. very similar almost to a uh, destiny, destiny child with Beyonce. And all those girls, it was like, the yeah. mother was like the the one yeah. that did the costume, the, the yeah. one that did makeup. Everybody in the family chipped in to make yep. the group happen. And that if, look what it did now. It became like a multi-billion dollar thing for Beyonce.
2: Even right. the other
1: two girls are still doing good, you know?
2: Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, they, they went on to their own careers too. Um,
1: it's like the same concept. It starts. it is, it
2: girls. is. Well, you know, it's, it's, it It comes from the same place. You're going to make pop music and you know, you, who do you trust at a young age? Your parents, Yeah. you know, and, uh, a lot of times that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. We've, we've told stories of that. Um, but in this case with the Ronettes, uh, they were very tight with their moms and, and, you know, Ronnie's mother kind of took the reins a lot. Yeah. And one night, they they decided that they were going to get into the peppermint lounge. Now, they were quite peppermint lounge. they were quite underage at the time, okay, to get in there. But they dressed up, they did their makeup, they did their hair, and they they thought they looked about twenty three. Okay, so they snuck down there, and the one of them the, – it was a, a band called. Um, Joey D and the Starlighters, which were very popular at the time, they were playing that night. And basically uh, there was a a misunderstanding and and the managers of the club thought that the Granettes were part of of Joey D and the Starlighters, uh, like the dancers that are in their group. So they ushered them in right right into the club. And they ended up performing that night, too, doing what they did, you know, the, the early stuff that they did. And uh, they became a sensation. All right. And they, they crazy, start, Yeah. And they started playing there. And, uh, you know, they, they also, Murray the K, who was a big-time DJ at the time in New York City uh, and would hang out at the Peppermint Lounge, he, uh, he caught wind of them and brought them over to the Brooklyn Fox, which was a theater in Brooklyn, where he would have his rock and roll review shows, all those bands, you know, all night long. And they became very popular. And a record label called Colpix was interested in them for a singles deal. Um, they signed up to them. Uh, basically, uh, it wasn't the greatest deal. Um, they didn't do a lot for the band. And after a while, not long, they were, you know, they released a couple of singles, but they didn't go anywhere. Uh, one single was a song called He Did It. And one band I know you you know, the Detroit Cobras, they did a good cover of
1: that song. Yeah, very good cover. Yeah, Detroit yeah, Cobras
2: They're great. But um uh, they would be the band would be uh, kind of fed up with Colpix after a while, and they were looking to get out of that deal. Uh, They almost got out of the business altogether, but what they did was, through, I think, Murray the K and the Brooklyn Fox gigs, they had a chance to audition with Phil Spector. Now, Phil Spector was a a young guy. He was probably about 23 at the time, uh, but he was becoming quite a a name. Uh, He had produced a couple of hit records, not many. He was just starting out, but... He was becoming a, a, you know, a hit songwriter and producer. And he saw them perform at the Brooklyn Fox and said, you know, come down to my office and do an audition. Wow. And the audition had a, the room had a big piano and he played the piano and the girl sang Ronnie being the lead. And I think they did Frankie Lyman's songs. And at some point the story goes, I've read this from different sources is he just got up from the piano and was like, "This is what I've been looking for." Wow. Yeah. So he saw
1: so, them right away, right?
2: Yeah. Now, well, originally he just wanted Ronnie. Okay, and I'm sure he had his, he had his mind on other things because I think he he fell in love with her right away, and uh, I'm but like her Terry mother, Gory, falling in love with um, Diana Ross, Diana, yeah, Diana, yeah, Diana yeah, yeah, it happens. How many so, how
1: does that cycle repeat themselves in this business?
2: Yep, yep, yep. Well, you know, I mean, Diana Ross and and Ronnie Spector were kind of similar in that way. They were both young and attractive, and you know, probably a little naive, you know. And and, but Ronnie's mother said, "No, okay, you can't just have Ronnie. You got to have the whole package with the two other girls." So he agreed, and uh, he signed him to Philez Records, which was his label. And took them out to California. Okay, uh, got permission from their parents and stuff, and took them to to uh, L.A. Gold Star Studios, where he was working out of. And they started recording. There was the first song they ever recorded was "Why Don't They Let Us Fall in Love," but he he shelved it. He didn't put it out. And then he recorded about four other songs with them, but typical Phil Spector, he shelved that too but then put it out under the crystals name, even though it was the Ronettes. Wow. Uh, and that was something we've talked about a bunch of times with Phil that he used to do. Yeah. Um, at first, you know, I think the Ronettes were a little frustrated. Like, when is he going to put out a single? We recorded stuff. Okay. But what would happen is uh, a song would come up, uh, would fall into his lap written by Jeff Barry and, and, uh, and uh, Ellie Greenwich. Um, and that would be Be My Baby. Okay, and that would be recorded by them in July of 63. Uh, he released it right away and it got to number two. That wow. was their first hit, first single on Philez released, and it went went to number two. And it's their signature song. Um, you know, you got Hal Blaine's drums in the beginning, part of the wrecking crew that that Phil had, the the all the musicians. Um at the Gold Star Studios backing the Ronettes up. And, you know, it was a huge, I mean, I don't know how that didn't get to number one. I'm trying to, I don't know what stopped it, but it only got to number two. And uh, they ended up on the Dick Clark Caravan of Stars tour. Wow. Okay. And touring around the country was difficult, uh, but they were on their way. They had to come up with a follow-up. So the next single was Baby I Love You which got to number six, and then it's the, you know, the Christmas record was recorded in, uh, by November of 63, it would be released. I think they recorded it in the fall. Um, and, you know, what's Christmas without the three Ronette songs, right? Frosty the Snowman, yeah. I Saw Mommy, Kissing Santa Claus, and Sleigh Ride. I mean, those three you hear every year to this day, Yeah, you know, 60, been- 60 years later, and, and that stuff is still played.
1: Okay. And the two different people recorded
2: it too. Oh yeah, of course, of course. But you know, to me, the the best is is the stuff with the Ronettes. That whole Christmas record's amazing. You know, it's probably one of the best Christmas records ever. But um, they would go to the UK in uh, early '64 because they were starting to make a, a splash over there. And they went on a tour, and guess who opened for them? Who? The Stones.
1: Wow, the Rolling Stones.
2: O- opening for the Ronettes.
1: That's crazy.
2: Okay, and they went on a tour together. I think they were, you know, the whole bus ride stuff together and everything. Keith Richards talks about it in his book Life, and he's talked about it in interviews. Uh, if I remember right, he alluded to a little, a little affair with Ronnie at some point. Uh, you know, Phil, Phil was very protective, almost obs- obsessive. Of Ronnie and the band, uh, especially Ronnie, and he had put word out to the Stones management: nobody touched the Ronettes on this tour, okay? And uh, because he knew what it would be like on tour, and the Ronettes, who you know, they they liked the Stones, they liked their music, and the Stones wouldn't even talk to them in the beginning of the tour. And finally, yeah, finally, you know, they they would just stay away from him. And finally, Ronnie, who was a friendly person, she went up to Mick Jagger, I think, and, and said, you know, what's the problem with you? You know, why don't you talk to us? Why don't you hang out with us? And he said, well, you know, we heard we're not supposed to fraternize with you or anything like that. And she's like, what are you talking about? Fuck that. You know, and just, you know, come yeah, in. You know, everybody. they all became friends. And and yeah. that was a, you know, she became close with Richards and, and that's a friendship that's lasted till this week. Okay. They always were close. And um you know, they they, they would continue having hits. Walking in the rain was the one that came up next.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but the as the as the Beatles and the Stones, too, got bigger, kind of pushed those girl groups to the side, okay? Uh, By 64, 65, the Beatles were everything. The British Invasion was everything, the Kinks, the Stones. uh, It kind of pushed that stuff down in the charts. They were still releasing singles. Um, One particular one that came out was called I Can Hear Music. I think it came out in 66 or so. and uh, Yeah. It's a great song, okay, but it bombed. And yeah. one person that was listening to it and who always loved the Ronettes was Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, okay? And, uh, you know, he, he's been quoted as saying when he heard Be My Baby, he was in his car for the first time. And uh, when he heard it for the first time, he had to pull over and listen to it. Okay, so, you know, and then I can hear music even though it was – a bomb by the Ronettes. It, it, it got covered by the Beach Boys a couple of years later, I think about 68 or 69. And it was a, it was a bigger hit for them. Okay. And it's a song that they Beach Boys always, always did, you know, in their set, in their set list. Um, but in August of 66, to try to restart their career a little bit, the Ronettes went on tour with the Beatles on a 14 city date. Okay. Uh, one place that they played was Forest Hills Stadium here in Queens. Wow. Okay. And uh they opened for the Beatles and they did very well. Okay, but you know, again, the the album, the, the songs, or the singles, I should say, weren't really selling. Uh it kind of got to a point where Phil wasn't really giving them any music. Um so by you know, 67, 68, they they hung it up. Now, 68, they all got married, three girls, okay? Uh, Nedra and Estelle married their boyfriends, and Ronnie married Phil. Now, you know, there's some interesting stories about that, uh, because Phil was married, apparently, when they started messing around. Oh, Yeah, but Ronnie always said she didn't know he was married, which I find kind of – that's kind of funny. I don't know how – I'm assuming it's true. I don't know any other way to to say it, but, you know, I don't know the truth, but, but, you know, she didn't know, uh, he would get divorced and then, you know, concentrate entirely on her. When they got married in 68 though, it, it didn't go well right away. Uh, immediately he had purchased this kind of like Gothic mansion. Okay. With iron gates and cameras and, fucking guard dogs and everything, and he locked her in there, okay, and and really controlled her life and, and, and wouldn't let her have friends, wouldn't let her do anything, wouldn't let her leave. Uh, eventually, she, in a couple of years, she was really just staying around the house in a nightgown and drinking wine all day, okay, and just being miserable. But <clears throat> she complained to him a lot that she wanted to be in music, so in 1970, when he was working on the George Harrison All Things Must Pass album, producing that, uh, he was in England, and he brought Ronnie over at one point to, uh, you know, get, get her out of the house, and also George Harrison had a song that he wanted to give her, and it was called Try Some, Buy Some, and it's a kind of like an anti-drug song song, um, it was something he'd been working on. He, I think he was, I think it was, he had it for a while, like even during the Beatles. I think it was a song that was around. Uh, but uh, he couldn't use it. So he gave it to her, and, and she put it out on Apple Records as a single. Um, looking back, it, it would have been nice if she had a whole album on, on Apple, but it never oh, happened. Yeah. It was just a single. The flip side was a song called Tandoori Chicken, which was kind of like a rockabilly kind of song. Uh, very cool, and John Lennon over like in the early seventies, he would he would re- play that song live sometimes at his at his gigs. He liked it so much. Uh, the the single for Try Some Buy Some, I actually have a copy of it. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, David Bowie was on record saying that it was one of his favorite songs. Wow. Yeah. So it, you know, kind of like it, it. It didn't do well in the charts. But I think people were listening to it. And um, during that time, too, uh, in, in, in strange Phil Spector style, he won, I think it was a Christmas day around 1969 or so, uh, he, he brought home two kids to Ronnie that he adopted.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. So she never had biological kids with Phil but these two children, uh, would be adopted. Uh, but it, you know, sadly, and, and again, this is some of the, the tragedies in in her life is, I, I think if I remember in the book that she wrote, which I'll, I'll talk about that book in a little bit. She, uh, you know, didn't have the greatest relationship with the kids. It was, it was, it was kind of fucked up because by the time the by the time their divorce happened, okay, they, he, she, if you remember, she, she took off in the middle of the night, yep. barefoot, half naked out of the house. Okay. And her mother helped her get out because she just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, she was drinking so much that she started going to AA just to get out of the house. Wow. Okay. Cause he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't let her leave. So in 72, she, she flees Phil. And by 74, they have a, Divorce settlement, um, and it really went in Phil's favor. Okay, and it had to because the story is is that he said she would he he told her I'll kill you. <laughs> okay, and she had to settle for giving up rights to future royalties. Uh, wow. I, I I think that there was some limit on seeing the kids, uh, you know. It was just something she just had to get away from him. Okay, so now all this,
1: agreed.
2: yeah. Now all this stuff would be worked out later, but for a long time that she wasn't getting any money, and Phil was putting out. He re-released the the Christmas record to as a bigger hit, and uh, you know he was making money off everything, and she wasn't getting shit. That's none bad. of the girls, were. none of the girls were none of his acts were anyway, even the crystals and none of them. None of them were getting anything. But um, in 73, she decided to put the Ronettes back together, but with a little different lineup uh, instead of Estelle and Nedra, who I think were, you know, they were raising kids and they were married. They weren't interested. She she put together with two new girls, uh, Chip Fields and Diane Linton. Now, do you know who Chip Fields is?
1: And then that's Kim Fields Tootie's mother. Tootie's Christ mother.
2: Yeah. From Tootie from Facts of Life's mom. Yeah. Was in the this second incarnation of the Ronettes. Uh, they actually got signed to Buddha Records and released some stuff, but it, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, the problem with, with Ronnie now is in the early, in the seventies is that she was kind of perceived as an oldies act. Okay. Music had changed. Uh, she wasn't old. Okay, she wasn't even, you know, she wasn't even 40 yet. She wasn't even 30. Okay, in, wow. 70, in 73, she was 30. Okay, so uh, by 76, she was doing a duet with Southside Johnny called You Mean So Much to Me. She also recorded uh, with Springsteen's E Street Band, uh, Say Goodbye to Hollywood, the Billy Joel song, which, in my opinion, is better than his version. And, uh, In 1980, in an attempt to really jumpstart her career, she teamed up with producer uh, Genya Ravan, who had produced the Dead Boys, Punk Band, the Dead Boys album, Young, Loud, and Snotty, and came out with this album called Siren. Uh, She did a cover of the Ramones song, Here Today Gone Tomorrow, which is a great cover of it. A little different arrangement than, than the Ramones, but still very cool. And with her voice and everything, it it worked very well. Uh, Again, she's still kind of perceived as an oldies act. And it really, you know, it really didn't take off. It really didn't sell a lot of records. Um, But that would change. By 1986, she teamed up with Eddie Money and had that big hit with Take Me Home Tonight, where she does the backup singing saying, be my baby, and all the whoa, 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 whoa stuff, you know? And uh, that was a big hit that year in 86. I was a senior in high school. You couldn't get away from that song, I remember. Yeah, that song was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Now, that would parlay into uh, an album. She would release an album of, of songs in 87 called Unfinished Business. Uh, didn't sell a lot, but it's not a bad record. She had a lot of people playing on it, uh, a lot of guest musicians, by '88, uh, she decided to concentrate a little bit on, on Christmas stuff, and because she was so well known for that, yeah, and she, that's when she started doing her annual Christmas shows. BB uh, King's club on 42nd Street was a spot that she had that every year annually. Uh, I did see it a couple of times. Beautiful show, um, and it was just a tradition. After a while, you know, Ronnie coming out coming out at Christmas time, seeing Ronnie in December. Um, By 88, also, the Phil Spector royalty problem from the divorce settlement and everything would be settled again, okay? And it would turn out that he had to pay $2.6 million to the Ronettes, okay, including $1 million to Ronnie specifically. All right, so he kind of got fleeced with that, all right, and uh, deservedly so because by then the song was – In Dirty Dancing, "Be My Baby" was in Dirty Dancing. Uh, It had kind of like gotten back on the charts, uh, or at least in people's consciousness, and was doing well. That soundtrack was huge, so you know a lot of money was was going her way. Um, The next like eight or nine years, she would concentrate on the Christmas shows. Uh, She didn't have any new material coming out, but she was actively performing. By 1997, though. Uh, there was an interesting collaboration and, uh, this was when, when I really tuned in is Joey Ramone after the Ramones broke up in 96, got in touch with her and wanted to work with her and produce her. Wow. And yeah. And, uh, they had known each other before. Okay. Uh, Ronnie was always a New Yorker. Uh, she had gotten remarried in 82 to her manager, um, And moved to Danbury, Connecticut. So she was always in the area, not too far away. And um, she said to Joey, Shaw, you know, and they started recording together. There was a a Ramon song called Bye Bye Baby that they reworked into a duet together. Uh, He had her doing the Johnny Thunders song, You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory. Okay. (laughs) And she does it great. She does it great. I'm sure Thunders would have been proud. Um, there was a Beach Boys song, "Don't Worry, Baby." Uh, and I'm trying to remember what else. It was like maybe two or three more songs. And by 2000, uh, they put out 99. Uh, I should say it was a. Uh, oh yeah, the song "She Talks to Rainbows." It was another Ramon song from their last yeah. album, "Amigos." Uh, that she recorded, and um, it came out. And it, you know, critically, it was it was acclaimed. It didn't sell a lot of records, but She started doing, like, little shows with Joey Ramone in the late 90s. Uh, One in particular would be at Coney Island High that I went to. Um, And I got to talk to her a little bit. She was kind of mingling in the crowd before she went on. Nice lady. Just very, very, very cool, very nice, uh, friendly, signing autographs. You know, there was nothing about her that was, uh, you know, stuck up or, or nothing like that. She was like a regular, like talking to your next-door neighbor, you know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, But this would be the beginning of a a kind of interesting period for her where she was very active recording with other people. Uh, The punk band The Misfits at the time when when they had Jerry Only was was lead and Marky Ramone was on drums, Uh, they were a three-piece at that point. They released an album called Project Nineteen Fifty. Yeah, and and it was uh, an album of covers. And she sings on This Magic Moment and uh, You Belong to Me. You Belong to Me is kind of like an old uh, doo-wop song that the Misfits did in their style. (laughs) Yeah, it's a cool album. I like the album. Um, The Ravenettes, another great band that I I really like, uh, on their Pretty in Black album that came out in 2005, uh, there was a song that she sang the backup on called "Ode to L.A.," and it's like a tribute to Los Angeles. And she does like the backing "Whoa, Whoa, Whoa" vocals and all that stuff. Two thousand and six, she came out with an album called "Last of the Rock Stars," and again, it was it was a lot of covers. And she had a guest musicians on this. Keith Richards played on it. Patti Smith. Sings back yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Yeah Yeah Yeahs, right? They were big at that time. Ravenettes. Yeah, Keith
1: Richard. Yeah, Richard.
2: Keith Richards, the Ravenettes and the Recontours. Okay, which was uh Jack White's band. And uh 2007 the Ron got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Deservedly so, okay. Yeah. But guess who thought they shouldn't be there and who wrote a letter? Oh. Phil. Phil. Wow. He wrote a letter to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame people, and said how they didn't deserve to be in there. They weren't a real band. Blah 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 blah. You know, and what a terrible! That's just awful. Okay, and uh, but he was he was waiting for trial at that time for killing uh, that actress, Lara, Lana Clarkson. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, so his, he was probably clinically insane by that point.
1: Yeah, he was up up
2: yeah yeah so you know it was it went nowhere, but the fact that he actually went out of the way out of his way to try to derail that for her, I think is awful, you know yeah
1: that is and, awful. you know
2: she would when he died last year, you know she said to the press he was a musical genius but a lousy husband, <laughs> you know I mean it really that's the God's honest truth, you know and and you know as much as you you know. She, she tried to get away from him. Her, her life was tied up with him anyway because of all that, Man. you know. Now, in 2010, she worked on a new Christmas album. It was an EP, actually, of, of new songs. And 2011 came along, and Amy Winehouse passed away. Now, Amy Winehouse was always a fan of Ronnie Spector. I mean, there's no doubt. Look at her, her look okay amy winehouse's whole look was ronettes
1: oh yeah um,
2: totally. Yeah, little mini skirts uh the big beehive out of out, sure you know beehive, outfit, yeah. the the makeup that kind of went up here you know and and that was the whole thing and and she would do a cover of amy winehouse's song back to black which was excellent she did a great version of it uh a couple years later that would turn into a full album of covers called English Heart. Uh, she did some stone songs. She did some Yardbirds. She did some Beatles. It was all about British Invasion Band songs that she liked. Now, um, September of, la- of 2020, there was an announcement made that there was going to be a biopic on her based on her 1990 book called uh, Be My Baby, how I Survived Mascara, Mini Skirts, and Madness, or, <laughs> my, a great or My Life as a Fabulous Ronette. That was the whole title. Okay. And uh, I read that book when it came out. I've read it a couple of times. Great book. One of the best books about the music scene that you could read. Uh, tells the whole story from when she was a kid to getting involved with Phil and the nightmare with that, her life in the 70s, trying to get her career back.
1: And the actress that want to get is very good. That's the good girl that played the new MJ, and she's in that. E- 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 um, e-
2: Zendi- Her name show? is Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah, I, she's a yeah. very good actress. I, I don't know. I maybe, don't know too much be, of. I don't know too much about her, but she kind of has the look from what I see.
1: She, she definitely got the look. She's a very yeah. cute girl. I can totally see her being uh Ronny yeah. Spector. That would be nice. Yeah.
2: I, I heard today on the news. I didn't have a chance to read it, but I, I saw a headline saying she did some kind of tribute to Ronnie yesterday or something. I don't know if it was a performance. Does she sing, this girl?
1: Uh, I don't know cause I know she, If you see her, she's so old, but she's like the new actress. So she's in, she's MJ and the new Spider Man. She's in okay. the show Euphoria. She's fantastic in that show. On okay. show oh, she played
2: Mary. She played Mary Jane in the latest Spider Man. Yeah. Okay, I got She's you.
1: been in a bunch of movies. Like she's a good actress. She's very yeah. good.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great book. And I, if they do it right, it could be a, a very classic film. You know, it's really just such a great topic. Uh, and it's a great story, her struggle, you know. And now, uh, you know, we get the news two days ago that she passed away. It was kind of sudden. I didn't know, yeah. you know she. She wasn't sick, uh, as far as we knew, but uh, apparently she had cancer for a short time, and she didn't make it. So, big loss, Ronnie. Big, big loss. Big yeah. loss. Uh, big loss to music, New York City. Okay, she was. She was a voice of that, and you know, I, I, I mean, you know me. My 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 musical tastes are all over the place. Yeah, and and to me, when it comes to the rock and roll genre, I think she's my favorite vocalist, female vocalist, okay? Uh, Debbie Harry will be up there too, okay? But but I think that I always like voices that whether it's male or female that are distinctive, that you know them right away. Not really, they don't have to be fantastic operatic voices for me to like them. But when you heard a Ronette song or a Ronnie Spector backing vocal in a song or something, you just knew it was her. yeah. You yeah. just knew it was her, and and I was always I was always blown away by her. So, gonna miss her. Uh, gonna miss the Christmas shows. Gonna miss her popping up here and there. She just was a nice lady, uh, and she was a, a devoted family person with her husband. She had kids with with her with her second husband Jonathan. Uh, that's all I could say. You know, God bless her. You know, she was the kind of person that only comes along once in a lifetime.
1: Wow, what a great tribute. Um, we went long on this one. Uh, 40 Did minutes we? Also, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, other than this, uh, Mike, how can people reach out to you?
2: All right, uh, I'm all over social media. You can find me on Instagram, Mike 212 Mike 212 You can find me on Facebook under Rocko Mike or the Rock Show podcast group page featuring... Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi on Facebook. Um, and, of course, I'm on Clout Hub and Miwi as Rocker Mike. Um, that's about it. How about you?
1: Um, <coughs> you can find me any social uh, media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. just look up Getting Lumped Up, and I will pop right up. Just like a demon. I would just be there. You can summon me whatever <laughs> <Like>, you want.
2: <laughs> you like you like food you like food poisoning. You just come right back up.
1: I just come right back. <laughs> so, um, so everybody uh this is a special rock show episode. This will be up. Also, check out uh, part two of the giants for conspiracy four twenty coming up this week, also. So we got a bunch of shows coming up this week, and um thank you for following us. And if you like the show, um Hit the subscribe button and hit the like Please. button. You know, hit the subscribe so-
2: and like and leave comments, you know.
1: And just and share it, share it, share it, share it. Share it, share it, share it. Share
2: it. it, share it, share it. Get us out there. We want to take yeah, over yeah, the world.
1: Yes. <laughs> so um in those notes, what do we say like in every other show?
2: Don't get Don't drunk. Get lumped get drunk. Drunk. up.
1: See you next week.
2: Take care, people.
0: Year. That will be music to your ears. You'll learn about bands you love or may not know, and it's only here on the rock show. Ooh, yeah, on the rock show. Ooh, yeah, on the rock show. Don't tell your friends and every. Let's get lumped up on the rock show